Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Henderson MB Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information on our church, visit hendersonmbchurch.com. chapter 13 and 14 today and uh, as I was preparing for this I was looking um, you know through the next stories and and trying to figure out well okay you know what would I preach on or or what would be the next one and and there's kind of a whole series of of small of stories and I started to notice patterns in them and I thought oh those are kind of some interesting patterns I, I I think I'll I think I'll speak on those well I got into the research and started looking into it and I was like Oh well, this is Paul's first missionary journey. Like I didn't, I didn't even know that. Like because it's not marked in my Bible. But um, Acts chapter thirteen and fourteen is, is is Paul's first missionary journey. And, and if that's unfamiliar, I mean, um, Paul, you know, most from most of the book of Acts follows the life of Paul. We never really kind of get a super detailed description on the life of Paul. Um, but I mean, there's some major events are recorded in Acts, and then. He drops hints in some of his letters, and so smart people have looked at all the clues and assembled it and said, well, we, we think this is how things go. And so um, Paul did at least three um, missionary journeys or, or, or missions trips, two to three years, two to four years. Maybe he did a fourth. I, uh, they're not really sure. Um, but today we're, we're really looking at his, um, this first trip or, or this first journey that, that, he, that he takes. And so it's more scripture than, than what we would have time to, to read, um, you know, all of chapter 13 and 14. Um, so I'm just, I'm going to kind of summarize it as we work through uh, and, and look at some of the patterns and, and some of the things that, that, that we will see in this. Um, and uh, it, it all begins in, in Acts chapter 13. So last week we just looked at the first five verses and then we talked about this idea of call and being called and that kind of thing. Because Acts chapter 13 begins with this church in Antioch, and then they name five of the leaders, and they're having a a prayer meeting, they're they're praying and they're fasting, and the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas, I I got some work for them to do. And so they they do that, and then that really becomes their commissioning as they they take off and and leave on on their journey. Um, It's, you know, they think a couple years transpired between Acts chapter 14 and Acts chapter 15, and, and kind of the dominant idea is that in that time, that's when Paul wrote his letter to the Galatians, because many of these churches were in the region of Galatia or something like that. So they, they think that, that that's uh, when that happened. Um, uh, you can pull up the, the map. I, I'm a visual learner, so sometimes maps are, are helpful for me. This is just kind of the zoomed out picture. You can see the, his, his journey on the right, so that's the Mediterranean Sea. And then on the next slide, we just zoom in a little bit, and that's just going to be up there as I talk, so you can kind of follow what's going on. Um, two, of the, two of the patterns, just right away, that, that you'll notice, and, and we're not really going to talk about these patterns later on, but, but I did want to point them out. Uh, as Paul and, and Barnabas are traveling, a couple things uh, you'll see is, one is that they, they tend to hit up um, either city centers or political centers. Um, they, you know, they go to the places where there's lots of traffic, where there's lots of people in and out, where it's, it's a political center, where it's 
um, just, just lots of, of people. So they, they tend to highlight the centers, or at least those are the stories shared. They may have done more stuff in between, but, but the stories shared are the centers. And uh, like a lot of things, you know, the first story gets a whole bunch of airtime, and then the stories kind of get sort of shorter and shorter and shorter as they go on. I, you know, you're running out of space or that kind of thing. Um, the other thing is that you will see is that when they come into a region, uh, one of the first things that they do is that they will visit the local synagogue and really start their ministry there, right? So synagogue is, that's like, you know, uh, the Jewish version of church where they all gather on the Sabbath, and so they would go there, they would participate in that, and then from that, then they would uh, kind of expand their, their ministry. Um, so actually starting, if, if you want to kind of loosely follow along, you, you can, um, but I, I'm in Acts chapter 13, and uh, starting in verse 4. And uh, I, I'm not sure how your Bible phrases it. Mine just has kind of the regions uh, that they are throughout uh, 13 and 14. And um, so, so Paul and Barnabas start their church in Antioch. You see that on the, on the far right there. Uh, they head down to the port town of uh, Seleucia. They take a ship over to the island of Cyrus. Okay? Um, they visit Salamis, major city. And then they head over to Paph- Paphos. Uh, so that's the capital city. Um, between those two, it's 90 miles and two mountain ranges. So, like, the dudes were tough, right? Like, that's, that, it, th- this journey was, uh, like, this was a difficult journey. Um, in Paphos, they have the story of the proconsul and the false prophet. This is a great story. I love this story. I wish we could spend all day on this story. Uh, we can't, we won't, we'll, we'll just kind of skim it. Um, so you've got this governmental leader, a guy by the name of, of Sergius Paulus. He wants to hear the gospel. He wants to hear the gospel, but he has this magician slash advisor slash false prophet guy by the name of Bar-Jesus, Bar- um, who is kind of like an advisor. And he's standing right there, interfering, interrupting, talking, arguing, like just, just being a pest, Right? Um, Bar-Jesus would probably be, like, most honestly, he's probably like a court astrologer, but, he also, but there's also probably some demonic powers involved as, as well, too. Okay? Um, Lord of the Rings, Two Towers. Um, some of you are with me. Um, there's a, a scene where King Theoden, right, he, he's visited by, by Gandalf, um, and Theoden has this assistant right there who just kind of speak lies to him. And, you know, Theoden's like all old and shriveled and that kind of thing. Uh, and then Gandalf has this great line, I will draw you Sau- Saruman as poison is drawn from the wound. And then he's healed and he's kind of youngish again. Okay, so kind of like that. Um, complete with power showdown be- between the two of them, right? So um, you can watch Lord of the Rings as a devotional. Um, so th- this is what happens then. Um, th- Paul eventually says this. So Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him, at this magician guy, and he says, and this is so rude, but I guess very honest, um, he says, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you. You will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him. He went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred 
for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Government leader wants to hear the gospel. Wants to hear the gospel. But there's interference. Paul, right, in tune with the Holy Spirit, utilizing some spiritual authority, he speaks against this guy. Basically, it's a, it's a power contest between Jesus and demonic powers, and Jesus wins. After the proconsul sees the power of Jesus and hears the gospel, he believes. He's astonished, and he believes, right? Someone wants to hear the gospel. There's interference, but there's also a display of power. After this, they take a ship from the island of Cyrus. Uh, uh, Cyprus. Um, they head north. Uh, they, they land at, at, at Perga. Um, then they head up to uh, another Antioch. This one's like 80 to 100 miles north. Uh, they have to cross another mountain range. Uh, the route is barren. It's often flooded with mountain streams. It is notorious for bandits. I mean, the Romans couldn't even bring the place under the control. This place is also called Antioch because some dude in 300 B.C. started up 16 cities and named them all after his dad. I guess that was a thing build cities, and name all of them the exact same name after your father. Whatever. So there's a whole bunch of Antiochs. Um, once again, Antioch, a leading city uh, in this part of Asia Minor. Okay. On the Sabbath, they go to the, the synagogue. This, this was kind of how they did. They sit in the crowd like everybody else. While they're sitting there, the local leaders pass them a note and say, hey, if you want to share a word of encouragement with people, go ahead. Well, all right. That's, that's all they need. Uh, they stand up. Paul talks for a long time, many verses, long talk. Um, uh, his, his speech ends, verse 41. Verse 42. The people are begging, like that's actually the word, begging that Paul and Barnabas return next week and tell them more. Um, the, and after church is over, I mean, there's, there's Jews and there's Gentiles who are... You know, they continue to listen to Paul throughout, throughout the week. The next Sabbath, and, and this is how it reads, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. I, the, just the more I feel like, how do you, like, the whole city shows up at your synagogue. Like, how, how do you do crowd control? Like, how do you fit every, like, how do you even begin to manage that? Um, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. The entire town wants to hear this message. But, it says there were some Jews, uh, these were probably Jewish leaders, they see this massive following that Paul had acquired, and they get jealous. They've been leaders there for who knows how long, they've, you know, I, they never acquired a following, and Paul shows up, and within a week the whole town is, you know, begging him for more stuff. So these people get mad, they get jealous, they start to contradict Paul, they start to argue with Paul, uh, just mock Paul. Um, Paul makes this statement. He, you know, he says the gospel came to, to the Israelites first, to the Jews first, right? I mean, this, this goes all the way back into the Old Testament. They, they got the first chance to hear it. Um, mostly they, they rejected it. And now it's starting to go to the rest of the world. It's starting to go to the Gentiles. And that's, that's you and I, which, which is great. The, 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 the crowd is thrilled. The, the Gentiles are thrilled. It says this, that the Gentiles were rejoicing and glorifying the word of God, and many believed. So, so great stuff. Um, the Jewish leaders, not happy at all. 
Um, they gather up some opposition from influential men and women, um, and they, they just basically stir up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and so Paul and Barnabas have to leave and go to the next town. Someone wants to hear the gospel, desperate to hear the gospel, but again, there's some interference. Then they head over to uh, Iconium. Um, this is another 80 to, to 90 miles. Uh, they enter the Jewish synagogue, same thing. Um, the stories kind of get shorter and shorter. We just read, though, that they present a compelling case for the gospel, uh, the good news about Jesus, salvation, freedom from sin and death, right? Lots of people believe. Uh, there's just one line that said miracles happen, you know, signs and wonders happen. Uh, once again, some Jews who didn't believe, um, but rather than just say, well, I, I disagree with you, once again, they get very proactive against Paul and Barnabas, and the wording says actually that that they poison their minds against Paul and Barnabas, right? So they, whoever they would, you know, they talked and whoever they could find that would listen, they poison their minds against Paul and Barnabas. Um, another translation of that would be literally that they made their souls evil against Paul and Barnabas. Uh, they stay for a long time, lots of preaching. A lot of people believe, but a lot of people believe the lies, right? So the whole town is kind of getting split, you know, kind of left and right on, on where you, you stand on this. The opposition, once again, rather than having a discussion, uh, they start to get violent, they, they start to in, incite violence, and they start to develop plans to kill Paul, Paul and Barnabas. So Paul and Barnabas leave, and they go off to the next place. Someone wants to hear the gospel. There's interference. But then once again, there, there are displays of power, right? It talks about all these miracles and signs of wonders that happen. So they, they head over to, to Lystra. Uh, this is, it's a fortified Roman kind of frontier outpost of about 18 miles away from Iconium. Um, probably lots of local ethnic groups in the region that are gathered there. That's probably who Paul is preaching to. Uh, they walk in, and there's, there's a cripple man there. Um, and they see that. They see that he has faith to, to be healed. And, and so in the authority of Jesus, um, P, uh, Paul speaks healing over this man, and he's healed. I think it said like he had never walked before and he jumps up and he's running around. Very dramatic, that kind of thing. The people freak out, like absolutely freak out. Um, and they attempt to worship Paul and Barnabas. Like they fetch cattle to like start butchering and that kind of thing. And they're bringing out like flower garlands. Paul and Barnabas are like they're trying to shut the thing down. And I don't know, it's kind of like this yelling contest. We want to worship you. No, you shouldn't. No, let us kill the cows. No, you shouldn't. Let her live. I, you know, so they're, they're going at it. Ovid, uh, he's a Roman poet. He tells the legend. Um, it, it, the legend was in this region. So previously, according to legend, Zeus and Hermes, right, um, two, two Greek gods, they came in human form. They knocked on a thousand doors, and no one was hospitable to them except for one elderly couple. So this, this, the, these Greek gods, Zeus and Hermes, they, they flood the region and they kill everyone except for this nice older couple that showed them hospitality and they turn their shack into this marble pillared gold roof temple and then these people become priests. Okay? So that's the backdrop that Paul and Barnabas walk into when they heal a guy and then you know Paul starts saying I have a message from God and so they're like, ah, it's Zeus and Hermes, you know, and if we goof this up, they're going to kill us again. And so that's, that's kind of what plays out in there. The, um, 
the Jewish leaders from the past two towns follow Paul and Barnabas to this town um, and persuade the crowds to kill Paul, right? So on day one, it's we want to worship you. On day two, it's, it's time for a stoning. Um, they stone Paul and they drag him out of the city thinking that the guy is dead. Rough day. Um, and then there's this verse. But when the disciples gathered around him, so this is like, we think he's dead, Paul, laying in the dirt outside the city, okay? Um, when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up, entered the city, and on the next day he went with Barnabas to, to Derby. Um, like, could I get more detail there? Like, because that, like, we, there's kind of, like, what just happened? Um, like, a whole lot of people have pelted him with so many rocks, probably big rocks, they're all convinced he's dead, and then he just stands up and walks in, right? And the commentaries are like, we have no idea what, what went down, right? Like, we, like, was he dead, and was he raised back to life? Maybe. We don't know. Was he just unconscious and not really breathing, and so everyone was, right? Because there's not kind of this, like, the, the, like something happened there that was more than, you know, the guys being like, hey, Paul, like, just walk it off. You're fine, man. Like, let's go. You know, like, like so, so, something miraculous happened there, but we just don't get the details on that. So the next day, after having been stoned to death, but kind of to death, but not really, but sort of, by a large mob, uh, Paul and Barnabas, they travel another 60 miles over to Derby. Uh, they preach the gospel. Lots of people believe. Um... Then, and we only get a few verses on this, Paul and Barnabas decide to head home. But rather than just, like, taking the boat over to Antioch and, and calling it good, they retrace their entire steps, right? Mountain ranges, bandits, towns that stoned them, towns that tried to stone them, towns that drove them out. Like, they revisit all of those places, and they revisit all of the, the disciples. So on the first trip... They preached the gospel, and a whole lot of people believed on the journey. On the way back, they, they do three things. One is they encourage them. Uh, one of the things that, that we believe about Barnabas is that, that he was an encourager, the, the son of encouragement. So they encourage the believers. The second thing is that they appoint elders, right? Paul talks about being an expert at laying foundations of building the church and that kind of thing. So... They, they appoint elders, but in doing so, they're really giving structure and form to each of the, these new, new churches. And then the third thing, it says, with prayer and fasting, they committed these churches to the Lord. And then, most likely, after Paul returned back, he actually sat down and wrote a letter to all of them, you know, to all these churches on, on how to continue on in the letter of, of Galatians. First pattern that, that's pretty easy to recognize in this is, is the resistance or, or, the, or the persecution, right? I mean, our, our eyes are, are drawn to it. It's just, it's a very dramatic part of the story. Um, they receive fierce opposition wherever they go. Um, kind of early on, it started with slander and lies and character assassination, and then it just culminates in the full-blown uh, attempts to kill them and just gets really violent. Um, you know, sometimes I, I watch the news, I, I, I scan social media, and I'm astounded sometimes at how someone will just zone in on a target and just relentlessly pursue that person or, or that narrative about it. And I'm like, wow, what is going on? And yet, 
As much as I'm surprised, I shouldn't be surprised because we see the exact same thing in Scripture, and really it, it goes all the way back to, to Genesis. But it's more than, than just the human component. There's a spiritual component as well, too. Uh, a one commentary wrote in Luke's account, the church's evangelistic uh, evangelists consistently met with overt demonic opposition uh, through practitioners of occult arts when they first thrust into a new ethnic or geographical uh, territory. And then there's examples, Samaria and Philippi and Ephesus and all these other kinds of things. There's no culture today where, to one degree or another, such a spiritual battle is not joined. Um, not presumptuously, uh, but confidently, by prayer filled with the Spirit, we boldly proclaim the gospel and as the Lord directs, confront hostile spiritual powers. So it, there, there's not just like this human component, but there is this, this spiritual component as well too. While that is a reality, we, we need to temper it because oftentimes we look at that and then we just kind of, we just, we, we kind of psych ourselves out. And we say, well, you know, if sharing the gospel means that I'm going to get rocks thrown at me, like I think I'll pass, right? Or everyone's going to get mad at me or, or that kind of thing. And we just... Um, we, we, we just kind of psych ourselves out. Um, the, the second pattern that, that you probably noticed as well, too, and this is kind of the next one I think that we tend to fixate on, is just simply the, the displays of, of power or the, um, you know, I mean, the, the display between, you know, Paul and, and the false prophet and this guy got healed and miracles and, and all these other kinds of things. Um, but you have to remember that in almost every story, the miraculous happened but it was only to serve the advancement of, of the gospel. Uh, John Wimber, he, he, he studied Acts and he wrote, Rarely was church growth attributed to preaching alone. Signs and wonders were the catalyst to evangelism. Um, but actually, also as you study Luke, you also see that the signs and, and the wonders were always there simply to emphasize the proclamation. That the signs and the wonders um, served the purpose of evangelism. So that's kind of the second pattern. But here's the third pattern, and this is the most important pattern. And th this is really what I just want us to, to reflect on and encourage you with today. And that is that in all the places where Paul and Barnabas visited, these people were desperate to hear the gospel. Not like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Let me get back to you. Like these people... Like, they are desperate, and they are thrilled, and they are grateful, and they are responding by the, I don't know, hundreds or thousands, right? Um, 13.12, the proconsul believed, right? He's astonished at the teaching of the Lord. 13.42, the people begged that these things would be taught again next week. 13.44, um, almost the whole city gathers to hear. 13.48, when the Gentiles heard that the gospel was coming to them too, they rejoiced. They glorify God. Um, 14.1, uh, they share it in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believe. 14.21, um, made many disciples. Thomas uh, Rayner is a famous, well, I mean, sort of famous. Um, uh, like if you're a pastor, you know who he is. Um, like author, pastor, survey, statistician guy, that kind of thing. Um, so a couple years ago, uh, they did a national survey, uh, and then they, summer, they released a book in 2008, so th not, not that long ago. A national survey, though, uh, to unchurched people, a basic question, how many of you would go to church if you were invited by a friend? Okay, 
surveyed a bunch of people, unchurched people. If you were invited by a friend to go to church, how many of you would you go? Eight out of ten. Yeah, okay, some people were hostile, you know, but that was like 10% or less. Eight out of ten of the people they surveyed, unchurched people, said, yeah, if a friend asked me to go to church, I'd go. I'd, I'd check it out. We, we, we just kind of psych ourselves out with the persecution stories, right? Well, I don't want to get pelted with rocks, or I don't want people to make fun of me on Facebook, right? Or, 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 or the, we freak out over the miracles, or we argue about the miracles, and do miracles happen, or, or that kind of thing. And we just kind of lose sight that 8 out of 10, 8 out of 10 would say, yeah, yeah, I'd come to church. If, if a friend asked me, you know, like they weren't too weird about it, you know, um, yeah, I'd do that. The masses want to hear about Jesus. They, they do, right? They don't want your silence. They don't want your watered-down, fake gospel, wimpy Jesus. They want, full-on, hit me with everything you got, Jesus. People want to hear about Jesus. Um, we're, next week we'll explore a little bit more just sharing the gospel, how to, how to um, ask good questions, um, uh, sharing some, some testimony and that kind of thing. Um, but for today, just this, this encouragement that, that people want to hear about the gospel. I mean, we, we, we see it in Paul's first missionary journey, how they just, and like I get that, that Paul was very gifted, but still they, like they just responded in droves and that, that continues today when 8 out of 10 people would say, yeah, I'd visit church if, if a friend asked me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that, that your message is powerful. Um, we thank you that, it, that so many people are interested to, to hear about it. And Lord, we want to we be faithful in that. And, um, Lord, uh, next week as, as we get into kind of some of the, the more practical stuff again on, on perhaps just how to engage in a spiritual conversation, uh, Lord, that, that, we would be, that we would be faithful with that. And so, Lord, as we go about our lives, just that, that we would have a sensitivity to, to who might be interested in sharing this and that um, you would give us tact and, and wisdom in when and, and how to share uh, and how to have the, these kinds of conversations. And that that having a spiritual conversation would would become a comfortable thing for us. Um, and something that, that we do well, it's, it's, it's not weird, but it's just, we're just comfortable uh, engaging in a spiritual conversation with, with other people. And so, Lord, we thank you for the encouragement of your word. Um, Lord, I pray just a blessing and a protection over this church as they go about their week this week. Uh, that you would guide them, that you would guard them, that you would protect them, that you would keep them safe, um, and that we would continue to, to honor you, to glorify you, uh, and walk together in unity. We worship you and we love you. In your name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at hendersonmbchurch.com or email me directly at luke at hendersonmbchurch.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.